Can AAA titles for serious console gamers ever be fully inclusive? Mark Friend from Sony gives us the lowdown in today's full-length interview. So I'm here with Mark from Sony, who's fresh out of the accessible gaming session. Mark, do you want to tell people who you are and what you were doing? Sure. Uh, My name's Mark Friend. I'm a principal user researcher and accessibility specialist for Sony PlayStation. Uh, So day-to-day, I mainly focus on the user experience and usability of games, but a big part of that is also the accessibility of uh, the titles that we're putting out uh, on our first-party studios and making sure that as 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 many people as possible can play them. Fantastic. So how how does that work then? Are we talking console? We're talking AAA titles here. (laughs) How can people with disabilities access games on the PlayStation? Uh, so we're, um, where I'm based, it's mostly focusing on the European studios that we work with. So that's uh, studios such as uh, Guerrilla Games in Amsterdam, Media Molecule in Guildford. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, studios through our XF partnership as well. Uh, so that's a combination of the AAA and the kind of AA or kind of uh, slightly more indie games, although uh, indies uh, tend to be a bit more kind of... Uh, um, self-reliable uh, with, uh, with the accessibility, but where we're positioned is kind of looking after the, uh, the studios throughout development, providing uh, multiple services, one of which being accessibility reviews and another one being accessibility testing, and through that being able to provide uh, reports and feedbacks to the development teams to, uh, to show them the areas where the players may be struggling and areas where they're actually doing good practice. So what sort of numbers are we talking about here? Because, you know, I wouldn't personally equate Uh, console gaming with accessibility you know a lot of them are poorly lit you know it's like dark kind of um end of the world type scenarios (laughs) you've got fast moving action you've got um you know it's all time critical Mm. um certainly as a blind person like myself there's not a huge amount on offer in the console arena so you know how what's the landscape like out there uh, well, at the moment, um, as uh, as uh, Ian was uh, was mentioning in Hamilton in his talk as well, um, there's there's a lot of uh, developers have become much more passionate about accessibility over the last few years. Uh, unfortunately for many, that's also tied in with the uh, finishing the development on some of the titles they were on, which meant that they w- they couldn't do as much as they necessarily wanted to 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 make the their games as accessible as as maybe they could have. But going forward with the knowledge and with the support that uh, the user research teams uh, from all the territories uh, are, are kind of bringing, it's kind of helping with uh, kind of lifting up those levels of accessibility and focusing on areas particular the core pillars of the game so like you say for a lot of games they're quite fast moving and have to do like uh, button inputs at specific times or hit moving targets and it's kind of looking at what the pillars are and how flexible we can be with uh, with the games and, and how people control them so that could be uh, such as in uh, a game like uh, Detroit Become Human which came out last year there was uh, uh, options in there to increase the length of time uh, for the decision timers for dialogue options and also for the uh, quick time events in the game. So that was helping to make it more accessible without taking away from the core of the game, which was the kind of the quick time events and, and, and that kind of part of, uh, of how it was designed. Are there some inherent conflicts in console gaming where, you know, the moody lighting, you know, is inherently... <coughs> non-contrasting and yet people with a vision impairment really need things to be very high contrast but the designer wouldn't want to go for that in that you know for the particular feel of the game and with um allowing for for longer time you know to slow the kind of game play down at 
critical points could improve or could be a loophole for an able-bodied gamer to you know really increase their high scores and kind of <laughs> have an unfair advantage because they're they're accessing that accessibility uh, feature which wasn't really intended for them so is there kind of some conflicts that you guys are working with on a daily basis um to an extent i mean <clears throat> excuse me uh Part of the kind of original work we were doing was educating the developers and, and kind of letting them know that it's it doesn't necessarily have to be on for a hundred percent of of the players. It could be something that players are able to turn on if if they want. So that way, it doesn't um, doesn't change the original intention or design of the game, but it's something that those who need it can enable. So subtitles are a great example of this. That they're um, games always offer the option to turn on or turn off subtitles. And you would never kind of have, uh, you know, be in a situation where, in, in, with that in regard, uh, people are complaining that subtitles are always on and they want to turn them off. And it's the same for these other options, like having specific modes where you have more time to do things, or uh, having, or even options that aren't necessarily considered accessibility, such as uh, like uh, aim assists, uh, or uh, inverting controls, or sensitivity sliders, or uh, uh, often like just the brightness and contrast sliders in games. They're they're there and they're flexible enough to allow players who need to have those settings to turn them on and adjust them if they need to without taking away from the core experience of the game so if someone just jumps in and plays with everything on default and that's what the designers want players can still do that but the players who need the options and the support is also there for them as well so is there any feeling that you know aim assist and other settings that can help you know slow down timing aren't just like a cheat mode for normal people um i'd be lying if i said that wasn't a worry that i've heard before (laughs) um but again it's it's whether or not you uh it's, it's it's how it's positioned. Uh, to use a a Microsoft example, because that's the the one that always springs to mind, is in uh, in the Forza games. The um, they have the ability to rewind time if you make a mistake on your lap, and you can uh, uh, you can kind of then take it back to a point where you're racing just fine, and then complete the race. The way they did it is they split out the uh, leaderboards for people who did and did not use rewind on that lap or mm-hmm. on on that on that race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can do you can approach it in a way like that so you kind of splitting you can have like an overall leaderboard but then split it out by people who are and aren't using assists and similarly with um, multiplayer lobbies and, and games like that you can also have it where players who you know, again there's the worry that like you mentioned with like aim assist that some people might use that as a way of um, having that advantage in the game uh, compared to players who don't use it but the players who do need to use it can't that can't be taken away from them. So having the option to potentially group like for like players who are using the same kind of assists would at least put them on a more level playing field. And if the worry of um, added uh, the ability to uh, to kind of kind of quote unquote <laughs> cheat is is there, I guess. I mean, the ideal scenario perhaps would be that you'd have a combined leaderboard, but that could with an optional view mm. of splitting it out. Because Absolutely. otherwise, those disabled users for whom it's their only option to be able to be viable in the game um, would uh, they'd only ever appear in the kind of other list otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, so, what other developments are happening, and kind of where do you see gaming accessible gaming going? Um, it's hard without talking about confidential information. Oh, you can do uh, that. That's but, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just between us, right? Um, no one's listening. <laughs> um, I mean, we're in we're in a really great place. I mean, I can I can obviously only talk for for, for PlayStation because uh, that's you know what I see day to day. But we we are increasing every day the number of, of people within the company who have a, a vested interest in accessibility and wanting to make our products more accessible and that passion is driving people to be creative we're a very creative field in game design uh, in of itself so people 
approach these problems day to day anyway of like oh, how are we going to make this work in the game how are we going to get this mechanic to, to function how we want it to how are we going to make sure players can't like cheat their way through certain <laughs> areas um, and accessibility is the same kind of thing it's, it's you work out you know the problem here is X and this is how we solve for it and this is how we approach it and just having you know passionate creative people I think is, is the kind of the bedrock of what's going to drive accessibility forward and we're seeing more and more now with uh, with games that they're um you know, we're kind of hitting more and more of the kind of low-hanging fruit, and hopefully, going forward, we can we can get to a point where, you know, there may be some kind of standardization, or that that, you know, we don't necessarily have to, you know, keep talking about uh, like small icons or uh, small text or uh, subtitle formatting, and we can go for like the big things that that no one's quite doing at the moment. And I think that's that's where I like to see it kind of head to in, in the future is that we kind of get the the very basic stuff kind of set and we don't have to worry about that as much and we can start approaching and opening games up to even more people brilliant now going back to put someone with no vision at all just to you know close to my heart there um microsoft for example have got narrator for xbox menus etc but as soon as you hit a game then you know you're in a completely different environment um does sony have something similar to help completely blind gamers and what's the what are the options out there for titles where people can do things completely eyes free uh well we have text to speech on our console but unfortunately it's only available in the US right now uh which is a bit of a shame <laughs> i'm uh, very much uh, uh for trying to get that to as many uh, territories as we can um but uh, narration in games is, is still a relatively new field. It's something that's more common in PC games because of the architecture of the PC and being able to use screen readers and, and same with um, like mobile games and, and native labeling and things like that. Um, we, we're starting to see some games adopt narration such as The Division 2 and Mortal Kombat 11 had uh, had some narration uh, for their menus. But uh, uh, right now it's not something that we, we have in any of the uh, the PlayStation games, but it's certainly something that's on my on my list. Brilliant. And, you know, you do see lots of videos online of completely blind gamers effectively managing to get around by memorizing levels yes. and, you know, with the surround, uh, the positional audio and stuff like that. So that's amazing. Um, any other final comments before we um, let you go? Yeah, I was just going to say on, on the topic of kind of playing completely uh, completely blind is that <clears throat> uh, it's actually part of my talk, so I can bring it back around, which is nice. Great. Um, is that when you take away... So there, there are kind of three pillars I, I see in terms of uh, the way information is communicated in games. Uh, visually, uh, audi- <laughs> through audio, and through haptic feedback, through vibration in the controller. If one of those is taken away or is, is not perceptible by a user, so in this case vision, then the, the main things that we look at in, in order to make sure that information can still be received by the user is, in this case, would be through audio and through vibration. So it's kind of uh, surround sound or, uh, or binaural recording for the audio, um, and then kind of uh, vibration, so you could maybe have, uh, like, for when <clears throat> example, if you get shot in a first-person shooter game, have, like, the sound of the bullets, but also, like, the vibration, so you mm-hmm. could maybe hear from the direction it's coming from, and your controller's vibrating to let you know you've been hit as well. So there's there's kind of options in there to uh, to make sure that if one of the pillars is going to be inaccessible, then we can certainly support it with the other two. Absolutely, and you could do clever things like, you know, if it detects or if in the profile of the user it stipulates that they have a particular impairment or a particular need, then it could enhance that channel that other people wouldn't get by default. Absolutely. So, really good stuff. Brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of the conference. No worries. Thank you very much.